Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. <clears throat> What's up, you guys? Sean Ross Sapp here for the Fightful Wrestling Podcast, February 15th edition. As always, guys, subscribe to us, YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher. Visit Fightful.com, FightfulMMA.com, FightfulWrestling.com. We got all your wrestling and MMA news. And we also have the man who created Fightful.com. He is the eccentric millionaire, Jimmy Van. What's up? you hear that? I was waiting to hear that. And I have a, a special guest host that I'm going to introduce in a second. But first, I have to say you... I don't know if I should call you a sleuth or a troll because somehow doing the Sean Ross up thing that you do, you found out who the guest host was in advance. I'm a journalist, investigative. Yeah, that's what you are. My, uh, my dev team learned a lesson on that. I think that you cannot leave anything open because Sean Ross sap, that little bastard is going to uh-huh. find it. But uh, I do my job. I like to keep in touch with what the tech team is doing. That way I'm not caught off guard by, by shit like this, Jimmy. Well, we learned our lesson, so it won't happen again. But uh, <laughs> I shouldn't have said anything. So let me, uh, it, it is now my pleasure to introduce our new guest co-host on the FIFO Wrestling Podcast. I have to say these three words. Let's hit the music. I hope it doesn't work. Oh, no. We're going to get our podcast pulled. No! This is embarrassing. There we go. Now there is a story. There is a story behind this. Uh, Now, I guess the first thing I should say: anybody that might be listening to this on iTunes or Stitcher, and pardon me because Nigel is uh, is fixing the audio right now. Uh, Anybody that might listen to this or iTunes or Stitcher, you don't know what just happened because you can't actually see anything. So for the last couple weeks. Uh, buddy here, Mr. SRS, has been referring to me as the eccentric millionaire. And uh, so I thought it was only logical 
that if I'm going to roll with this thing, I might as well go the extra mile. So uh, we got ourselves a life-size cutout of Virgil. And as I'm sure you can imagine, these things uh, are not exactly available for retail. We good? I think so. Thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem. These things are not exactly available for retail. And so my dev team... Shocking. Yeah, I'm sure. My dev team had to uh, actually get this made. But it turned out pretty good, I think. I think it turned out all right. Turned out pretty well. Now, here's the thing. It probably would have been cheaper to fly Virgil to stand him behind you. Well, why don't you go ahead and tell everybody what you told me off the air a minute ago. So... I sniffed this out because I am an investigative journalist. I still do have those skills, you guys. I think you stumbled upon it accidentally by luck. That's what I think. Nah, nah, nah. Uh, <clears throat> when I'm not editing, I do a little sniffing. I do a little scooping. Sniffing. And I, I found this. I found, uh, I found out that you were doing this. So what I tried to do is I tried to scoop you yeah. by getting the real Virgil on here. And uh, we could not come to terms on a price, <laughs> needless to say. I wasn't going to und- – I wasn't going to make it a really expensive joke. Right. So right. I'm not an eccentric millionaire. I can't do that. Yeah. I mean, well, it's, it's like we talked about off the air. So uh, with all due respect to Mike Jones, he is setting up shop in Subway's. Um, and, and yet his price was too expensive to do a 20-second cameo on this. I think we made the right choice with this. If you, if you, if you, if you look at, you know, so this gentleman's going to stay here. I might get another one in the weeks to come to go over on this side over here. Ooh, really? And, uh, maybe we'll dress him up a little bit as the weeks go by too. We'll see how that goes. So, so he's, he's permanent. He's not going anywhere. He's staying right there. I have a few championship belts. I love championship belts, but I, I don't, I don't like, I don't necessarily collect them. I got to keep a couple of them that I've, that I've won on little indie shows. But the one that I have that I didn't win is the million dollar championship that my uh, fiance bought me as a, as a birthday gift. And one day I was, I was on Snapchat or something. And my, my strength and conditioning coach for my MMA team sends me a snap. And on the other end, it is Ted DiBiase. Mm-hmm. And he says, I officially crown you the million dollar champion and you couldn't ask for a better surprise. My only regret is that I couldn't, uh, couldn't record it cause it was on Snapchat, but I did have him send a little, little video along, but that was pretty cool. I had a Ted DiBiase wrestling buddy as a kid. There are pictures of me beating the living shit out of it. When you say as a kid, do you mean like two, three weeks ago? Yes. <laughs> you were trying to think of something better to say on that, weren't you? I know you were. So yeah, so this is going to be the ne- the new guest co-host again. I realize on iTunes and Stitcher, Stitcher they can't uh, they can't see what we're seeing, but uh, I think he looks good, don't you? Considering that we had to get this thing made, looks pretty good. I think it looks fantastic. It's a lot of times it's really really hard to uh, get something like that made because it's hard to find a high res enough image to uh, where it to where it'll fit. Somebody's giving me trash saying that I called her my fiance. She was my fiance when she bought me the belt. <laughs> Is it your current wife that's giving you shit about that? No, it's Kyler James, our social media guy. Oh, there you go. There you go. Kyler, what's up with that? Speaking of our social media, go follow us on Twitter uh, at <laughs> Fightful Online. Also, of course, all of our Twitter handles. <sighs> we got plenty of stuff to talk about today. I have uh, a list. I have a list. 
You got your damn list. You saw what happens to people with lists on Monday, didn't you? Yeah, that's why I'm going to call this the list of JV this week because I think I should emulate KO rather than Jericho. So this week is called the list of JV. But so uh, what's on the list? Well, I want your opinion on a few things. So the first one we need to touch upon uh, is this friendship, the magician. Um, close. He was trash. Close, and we're going to get there. But uh, I want to talk about a video that I saw of you wearing glasses. Uh, using a very interesting voice, uh, talking about the Elimination Chamber. Why don't you go ahead and explain to people what that was about? What are you talking about? <laughs> I just think that the WWE is a bunch of of sad pussies. <laughs> they don't want... Oh, oh my gosh, you mean to tell me these big, strong men can't <laughs> land on their back on, on graded steel? What what are they paying them for? <laughs> they get paid good money. I, I pay their salaries. I pay for their house. I deserve to see them get bulging discs in their backs. So eventually, they'll have to eat Gerber baby food because they won't be able to walk to their kitchen. I deserve that as a wrestling fan. You have, uh, I should also mention quickly that there's construction going on behind me. So if people are hearing a buzzing in the background, there's nothing I can do about it. You're uh, installing padding in between your buildings, aren't you? That's exactly what we're doing. Wusses. Wusses. Lindsay can't take the bumps. That's right. I knew it. The next time I throw her out of the sixth floor window, she needs to be able to land properly and, you know, get up. She so, needs to be more hardcore like Nigel. So this was uh, this was uh, uh, this was a thing. Like there was a lot of backlash about the new chamber. Oh yeah, and I'm I'm writing a feature on it because in that clip that I published, basically to, just to troll some people, I mentioned that it revolutionized the elimination chamber. And based on the results from Sunday night, it's hard to argue that they they made a lot of changes. They they made they put windows above the chamber so cameramen could get better angles. Mm-hmm. They made the chambers easier to jump off of and uh, escape out of if they malfunction. And yeah, they put spacers in between or space fillers in between those, and I don't see a problem with it. No, but a lot of people did. To me, it, it's not much different than what they have uh, on the floor now outside the ring. It's not much different, and people haven't complained about that. Remember when it used to be concrete? And they've been using mats now for years. And maybe at first there were people that complained about it, but in time you accept it. And this is probably the same situation where at first people don't like change in time. They will accept it. I think, I mean, I agree with you. These guys are on the road wrestling four to five times a week. Uh, And guys used to complain about the chamber, about that, that metal grading and how it hurt like hell whenever they would take a bump on it. Unless you want to see your favorites get injured and then you don't get to see them for two, three, four, six months. I didn't have a problem with it. I don't, I don't know what the big deal is about. People get upset about anything though. I mean, people were comparing, there, were, there was an uproar this week over Bray Wyatt's side plates on his WWE Championship. People said it looked like Nazi imagery. And, I mean, I'm like, if you're stretching real hard, sure. A bit, I mean, he's used that symbol for years, and this is, this is the first time I remember any sort of uh, backlash in regards to it. I mean, yeah, if, if you're comparing a, a buzzard to an eagle and there's no wreath on Bray Wyatt, it's a logo inside a logo – I, I guess, but I mean, well, we can't use birds on logos anymore because because we're afraid of of that. Like, uh-huh. that's weird to me. Like, people will find any reason to get upset. Here's a good example: 
the other day, I was having a discussion with a friend on Twitter about they're on screen. They're on screen on occasion. And somebody popped into our conversation and said, like, like, you don't know what it's like to be peered at and fear being raped at a wrestling event. Great. People are looking at you. And I was like, man, that was, that was an extreme. Like people will, people want to be upset by things these days. And I mean, there, there are certain situations where I'm absolutely sympathetic for stuff like that, but people try really hard to be upset these days. And I am, I'm pretty sympathetic to a lot of causes and a lot of situations, but man, a lot of people just, I get a lot of, I, I see a lot of that stuff because we have a wide array of people that contact us with this stuff. It's sure. I mean, we, we've talked about it. I don't think people are trying to get upset. I think people are upset because I think that people are just miserable in their own lives and they want to bring they everybody want to be upset. Yeah. Well, they, they want to bring everybody else down with them. And you and I have joked about uh, some of the people on YouTube that make comments about our, uh, our podcast shows and they make, <laughs> they make ridiculous comments and I, I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it because my life's going good and uh, clearly theirs is not. And so uh, I have no issues with that stuff. People need to uh, get happiness in their lives, Sean. Get happiness <laughs> in their read? lives. Should I read some of them? Leave it for another day. Not today. Oh, man. I'm going to, I'm going to uh, collect them. There's this one guy. He types in all caps. He's a big fan of you, though. <laughs> you know who I'm talking about? Yeah. but and, Well, you know what the funny thing is? is uh, you and I talked about he this. He hates me. You and I talked about this this morning. The uh, the guys that complain watch the whole show. Yeah. And, and people don't understand this. And it's like back in the day when Howard Stern was first making a name for himself in radio, his haters listened to his show longer than his fans. If you can try to oh, calculate that, that, right? Yeah, I saw that a lot with uh, Vince Russo. Oh, we got a question. Somebody says, since SRS has no taste in movies, the Fightful community wants to know your opinion of Pulp Fiction. Royale with cheese, man. Of course I know that movie. You know that that movie resurrected the career of John Travolta. And bef- yeah. before that movie, he was doing like four Look Who's Talking movies uh, where like pets were talking and, and, and crap. Because his, Babies, I think. His career was in the... No, there was another one, I think, after that with like animals or something. And huh. uh, yeah, because his career was in the shitter. That movie saved his career and it is a classic. And if, I'm sure even if you haven't seen the movie, you've seen some of the scenes like the Royale, which he's seen. You've seen that. Oh, sure, sure. Because I mean, they parodied that. Booker T and Eddie Guerrero parodied that right. in 05. Is that the only way you know it? I had heard of Pulp Fiction. Listen, guys, I will watch that soon. I might watch that this week. Um, I think I have this evening off, so I might watch it this evening. Might no, you don't. no to... you don't. No, you don't. I'm I'm gonna gonna get find, I got to find stuff down. for you to do. Yeah, apparently, I'll get the wife to sit down for the four hours that the movie lasts. It's actually like two and a half. But yeah, it's a good movie. It's good. I'll check it out, guys. Okay, let's get to the next one on my list because I don't want to spend all day on my list. So okay, uh, sure, whatever. the next one is I want to talk about Emelina. Why? Uh, well, because you saw what happened, and I saw I, I saw your story about how she wasn't committed to the role. I think you guys talked about it on the SmackDown podcast last night. Mm-hmm. So I happen to have a theory on this whole thing, and you can tell me if you're right or if you're wrong. So I am actually in agreement with WWE, or I can understand if Vince McMahon is looking to create a new Sonny or Sable. I can actually understand it because in the 90s, Sonny was – the, one of the hottest things in the company, male or female. 
in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s, Sable was one of the hottest things, male or female. I think Sable, popularity-wise, was right up there with Austin at one point uh, and was a cash cow for the company. So I can understand that they want to recreate that. The problem is if you look at Sunny and if you look at Sable, those characters uh, came about their popularity organically. If, if, you, if you understand what I'm saying, Sonny was supposed to be the, the, the side piece of Chris Candido and developed a following and kind of organically became popular. Sable did the same thing. She was supposed to be Mark Merrill's manager and, was, and just kind of popularity just came to her. In my opinion, WWE had that person uh, in Lana. They did. Uh, and it didn't work because WWE screwed up and Lana screwed up, which is why it didn't work because – the reason that Sonny and Sable were popular, aside from the fact that they were beautiful and all that, is they were portrayed as being single and attainable. You never saw them with a guy on TV. They were never making out with a guy on TV. Lana was so over with Rusev. And when she wasn't at ringside, people would chant, we want Lana. She was going to be the next Sable. The problem is when they, when they split them up, they put her in jean, blue jean outfits, and they had her making out with uh, Dolph Ziggler. Canadian tuxedos. Oh, that's 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 cute. They uh, but they they had them making out on TV. Nobody wants to see Lana, the girl that that these fans are are you know idolizing. They don't want to see her making out with a guy on TV. And then to make it worse, Lana, because she's an idiot, decided to post on social media that her and Rusev were engaged when they were broken up on television. So the combination of WWE dropping the ball on her and her screwing up killed it. Otherwise, she would have been the next Sable. And uh, you can't you can't force it down people's throats. What they did with Emma was not going to work. Whether she wanted to do it or not, it was not going to work. It has to happen organically. Lana would have been the one. They screwed it up. Now they got to, maybe they can rehabilitate Lana. What do you think? Also, uh, another interesting thing to mention, Sunny, Sable, well, Sable, they tried to make her a wrestler. They weren't wrestlers. They were personalities. Lana fit right. that. Emma is a damn good wrestler. Right. And the irony is, Emma organically got over when she was a happy little dancer girl in NXT. Then they, Came, came, they brought her up dead in the water with Santino. Yep. She got over as a heel in NXT. She came up and she was she was injured, but uh, kind of got stopped dead in her tracks there too. Uh, I think I don't know. It's hard to rehabilitate a non wrestler. Like we've seen them, we saw them rehabilitate Bray Wyatt in a couple nights. Two wins over John Cena will do that. Uh, Naomi, which I mean, as somebody pointed out on Twitter to me. She never really was buried that much. She was just had stop and start pushes, but was never jobbed out to a crazy degree. It's it's hard to rehabilitate Lana without also rehabilitating Rusev because you have to get the sympathy on Lana yeah. from Rusev. And if it leads to an all-time bad angle like it did with Dolph Ziggler and Summer Rae, yeah. you, you got to wonder how that'll work because – that, they, they did mess up there because instead of making her go single and be yep. that attainable person, yep. she went right to Dolph Ziggler, who on TV had portrayed one of the most pretentious douchebags in history. Yeah, but they also the, the the business suits is what is partly what got her over because people yep. like to see her in the tight business suits and and her hair in the bun, and she used to come out and do that little spin on stage. That sure. that got over, and when they suddenly put her hair down, put her in blue jean outfits, had her making it with Dolph Ziggler, you literally could think of, okay, what's the worst way that we could kill Lana dead? What's the worst way we can do it? That was the way that you kill Lana dead. So maybe if they put her back in the business suits, they would have to do it slowly over time, but maybe if they put her back in the business suits, put her hair back the way it used to be, and then start to create that sympathy like you're talking about, 
maybe six months down the road, they can rehabilitate her, but they really screwed up because she was going to be, you could see it with the crowd reactions. She was going to be the next big female star. And they just, well, her too, the company and her both messed it up. Brandon Howard has a a great article up on fightful.com. Go over to features under Brandon Howard. And he mentions that WWE likes to do the thing where the brand is over more than the individual. Yeah. And almost it's like if an individual is getting over too much, they just cut the legs off. That's weird to me because it's just weird to me, but that's what they want to do. Well, they've been doing that for years, and you know why they do that. They do that so that they don't feel like they're locked down to any talent. They want to be able to say yeah. they want to be able to say WWE is coming to town, not uh, I'm trying to think of a big star. John Cena is coming to town. They want to say WWE is coming to town. And UFC is yes. doing the exact same thing. UFC doesn't want to say Conor McGregor's coming to town. They want to say the UFC is coming to town. So it's I can understand why they'd want to protect their brand and not be locked down to a talent. But we've seen at the same time when you don't have those bankable stars, you're not drawing. doesn't matter if you're WWE. What's next on your list? Okay, I want to talk about the Festival of Friendship. That was phenomenal. Now, I don't care if you are a fan of Chris Jericho or if you're not a big fan of Chris Jericho, and I'm not a huge Chris Jericho fan, uh, but how can you not watch that segment and say that Chris Jericho is right now the most entertaining guy on the roster, bar none, bar none. Like, no one touches him right now. When he came out with a little smile and doing the little jig uh, on the (laughs) ramp, he was – and the whole segment was good – Right down to the end of it when he was telling Kevin Owens about how you're my brother and I love you and I got your back. And he said it in such a way that you believed him. Like it was, it was fantastic. And I loved the swerve at the end too when, when he pulled at the KO list. I thought that was great. I realized that there's that, a lot of negativity. Anna's crying. Uh, Alex is crying. People don't want to see them broken up. But that was a great segment. That's up there with the Rockers breakup for me, and I think it takes a big, fat, creamy dump all over This Is Your Life, <laughs> The Rock, because I hated yeah, that segment. I thought I it agree. was terrible. I agree. This was entertaining. It was wonderful. Uh, I do the, the WWE YouTube rankings every Monday or every Tuesday and Wednesday covering Raw and SmackDown. What that does is it gives you a more <clears throat> isolated look at what segments people are going out of their way to watch. It doesn't. It's not really indicative of – of like overall viewership, but it does show you what people are willing to go out of their way to watch on their own. And two segments from that did over a million. That's, that's unreal. They're very lucky in WWE. If one segment of anything does over a million each week, two out of that did a million. And then another one did 500,000, which is very strong numbers. And Kevin Owens, I think is very underrated. I I think that people, people underrate his ability to be the, uh, you know, kind of like the series guy in in this, in a segment like that and everything from his facial expressions to that look, that look, as he, as Jericho said, why is my name on that? From Jericho delivering that heartbreaking line to that, that look on Kevin Owens face. That was marvelous. It was excellent. It was, the whole thing was excellent. If they could deliver stuff like that every week, I think you said that the third hour of raw was one of the best, third hours of raw in forever. And you're right because it was great. And uh, too bad they have to, you know, shit on the first two hours to get to hour three, but yeah. that was, that was good. Is Ellsworth's hog on your list? No, but I know he's on yours. Why wouldn't he be? You got to respect the hog. I think you love the hog and I'm a little, I'm a little concerned. Who wouldn't? I'm a little concerned for you. What's wrong with, what's wrong with that? You're respecting the hog. You're a married man. You shouldn't be hey, looking at no. Ellsworth's hog. 
I, I don't look at it. They cover it up too much. And you would know because you're looking. They got to unveil it. It's been, it's <laughs> like you can't put it over on TV for all these weeks and just not, not pay it off. Okay, I think we need to move on from the hog. I, uh, I have one more the thing on my list. The hog will not be silenced. Respect the hog. Yeah, I know you don't want to silence the hog. You want to unleash the hog. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I got one more thing on my list, and this is MMA-related. Um, but as we've talked about before, even though this is the Fightful Wrestling Podcast, whenever anything in MMA comes up that I think wrestling fans would find interesting or that I can tie into wrestling, I want to bring it up. So I want to talk about George St. Pierre. Uh, and I want to talk about it because for me, it's very reminiscent of WWE around WrestleMania time every year. To me, it's, a, it's yeah. right. You understand what I'm saying? I do. So anybody that doesn't follow MMA up until maybe six months ago, the UFC's two biggest stars that drew money, big money, were Ronda Rousey and Conor McGregor. They were the two biggest. No one else was really close. And Ronda Rousey lost her last two fights and it's probably done. And that means Conor McGregor is the only guy that can draw seven figures on a, on a buy rate on a pay-per-view. The problem is Conor McGregor knows this, and he's become a real pain in the ass to the UFC because he knows it, and he's threatening to do a mega fight with Floyd Mayweather outside the UFC, and he wants a, a higher uh, guarantee on a fight. So now the UFC, I think in desperation, and I think because they don't want to be handcuffed by one talent, uh, has come to terms with George St. Pierre, who they had been negotiating with forever and they could never get over the hump of that sponsorship problem. But clearly they did to bring them back. Tell me if I'm, if I'm running wrong. When I thought about, when I heard about this today, about how they brought GSP back, I thought about WrestleMania and about how every year they got to bring back Brock Lesnar and the undertaker and the rock. And they got Goldberg this year because WWE has not successfully created needle movers outside of John Cena uh, just like the UFC now has not been able to create needle movers outside of Conor McGregor. Like I see a correlation between those, those two things. I do too. And Ronda Rousey may never come back. Mm -hmm. Conor McGregor said he's taken off at least until May. Now he's saying maybe early next year, if I can get this fight with McGregor. Now, uh, while 400,000 pay-per-views to WWE would be great mm -hmm. for, for almost any show <clears throat> right now, well, let's talk about it. the biggest, biggest fight that they have on the docket is Daniel Cormier versus Rumble Johnson, too. Right. Otherwise, you got Miocic Dos Santos, Bisping Romero at some point, Woodley Wonderboy, too, uh, Aldo versus Holloway, Garbrandt versus Dillashaw like six months from now because they're on the Ultimate Fighter. Durandamy, maybe Cyborg if she does, if she isn't suspended for a long time. And Holly Holmes trying to overturn that fight. Uh, Amanda Nunes versus without Shevchenko and Joanna versus Andrade. None of those fights do over four hundred thousand buys. Except I mean, even, for maybe even Cormier. The Cormier Rumble's not going to do that well either. It's, yeah, they'd be very lucky to do that. That's kind of like Dean Ambrose and Baron Corbin headlining a pay per view. Kind of, sort of. Yeah, and and hey, the UFC will turn a pay per, pay -per view profit on like seventy five, a hundred thousand. So mm -hmm. that, good for them. And they're they're doing a smart thing. One of the few smart things WME IMG is doing, they're doubling up their shows. They're putting like two or three title fights on each show to entice more people to buy it. But when you're letting your top five guys, like top five, top ten talents, walk right out the door, that doesn't bode well for building new talents. It came out today, Kyoji Horiguchi's contract with the UFC expired. He may be their biggest Japanese star at this point. Um, 
Lorenz Larkin left. There's a lot of guys that are doing Misha Serkinov, uh, a guy that Showdown Joe knows, could be instrumental in Canada and Russia or Europe. It's yeah, weird. We, we you know, I, sorry, I was going to say we don't have to go too in depth about the fighters because the sure, wrestling fans don't but care. The, but the point the point of this is bringing GSP back. Yeah, is I think them saying, "Oh God, uh, we have let a lot of these up and comers go." Yep. Our pay per view, our, our champions right now aren't the big pay per view draws. Also, our business in Canada hasn't been as hot. It used to be the mecca. Mm-hmm. It used to be the hottest thing. They kill three birds with one stone in that. They kind of take some of that attention away from all the guys they've lost uh, that they've let walk. They get big business back in Canada. They get a pay-per-view draw. I mean, he might not even contend for a title. They may have GSP on a show and put – if I were them, I'd put a Tyron Woodley or a Max Holloway on that show, let people know who they are. I mean, if you look a year down the road in WWE – because a year down the road, you probably don't have Goldberg. You probably don't have The Undertaker. You probably don't have Brock. Uh, Cena, I'm sure he's going to hang around part-time. But if you go a year down the road, who's going to fill those spots for WrestleMania when those guys are no longer there? UFC's kind of in a similar situation because Anderson Silva's no longer a big draw. Ronda Rousey's gone. John Jones hasn't been able to, to get to that level. Uh, GSP could come back and shit the bed because he hasn't been there in three or four years. It's a tough situation, and I, and I think it goes back again to both companies, WWE and UFC. They don't give their guys enough lever, like enough leeway to to try to become their own stars and, and to try to build names for themselves. Yeah. UFC, I think, is more flexible than WWE is, but they still handcuff them way too much, and uh, you're seeing it now because now they're struggling to, to create new stars, both companies. Well, look at the situation. GSP asked for a certain amount. He said no. The aforementioned Misha Serkinov was – Dana White told everybody that would listen that this guy was a flake because he asked for more money off of a three or four fight win streak. So I don't know what that says. Yeah. What's next on the list? You know what? I have nothing else except nothing. Except, did you ever think you would see the McMahon family in the Oval Office in your lifetime? Yeah, I feel like I just thought that would happen somehow. Holding a picture of Trump shaving Vince's head in the Oval Office. Didn't think I'd see that. Unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me. What a world we live in now. Man, did you see this revival Young Bucks Twitter battle? I did not. We have an article up on Fightful.com. Um, whew, they were going at it. Uh, you know, the revival is the no flips, just fists guy, uh, that, that, that team. And yeah. the Young Bucks are the exact opposite. Yep. And... <laughs> um. The Revival gave Young Bucks, they, they ribbed him a little bit about it, and the Young Bucks replied with uh, their Pro Wrestling Tees reports, which is, you know, they sell a million shirts. And Dash Wilder says, damn, six shirts, you all retiring soon? And Matt Jackson said, probably around the time you guys get called up, so not anytime oh. soon. Mm. How did it start? How did that begin? Um... Scott Dawson said something like he posted a picture of their cool moves and says, wonder how many stars this will get us, which is a shot at how many stars wrestling observers, Dave Meltzer rates. Right. Young Bucks matches. Right. Which uh, to be fair, I think he rates revival matches pretty generously as well because they're fantastic wrestlers. But I think it's just ribbing, but these two guys have been admonished. You have one unheard message. (laughs) 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Dash and Dawson have been admonished by talents before, um, by veteran talents, about maybe some of their social media stuff. But I think if you're a heel, what the hell's wrong with that? I think if it was me, I would get clearance with the office before I did that. That's the because and, and especially when you look at how WWE is now, I mean, stuff like that just means that they're not going to get called up or they're going to get called up six months later. So we're in a world now, unfortunately, where the companies hold all the cards, really. Yeah. Um, unless you're a John Cena or Roman Reigns. Otherwise, you don't have a whole lot. To, you know, you don't have a whole lot going for you in terms of stroke with the office. It is what it is. It's unfortunate, but it's reality. Yeah. Of course, you guys can check out all these awesome off the tracks with A-Train. I love assigning ridiculous stuff to, to Alex because, you know, we are a bit of a different site. We like to cover some things that other websites wouldn't touch, uh, at least in depth like that. And Alex is a very, very colorful person. So check that out. We also have Finn Balor showing he's rehabbing his shoulder by doing a demon crawl with resistance bands. Awesome. You excited for a potential Finn Balor return? Oh, I, I love Finn Balor. Absolutely. I, I question if they should turn him heel at this point. Uh, although maybe now they have Samoa Joe on the Raw brand. I assume he's going to be on the Raw brand. So they already have Samoa Joe as the new heel. So I don't know. I, I, I was a big fan of the club. And I questioned why they split styles from the other two. And I thought, well, maybe now Finn Balor can fill that spot. But mm-hmm. I guess we'll see. But he's a great talent. He reminds me of Muda. He's like a, like a, a second coming of Muda with the uh, double entrances. What do you make of uh, Triple H pulling Kevin Owens to the side? He's got tr- he's got Samoa Joe on his side, and then pulls another unconventional looking former NXT guy that he's credited for signing away. Do you think they're doing something here? Like Samoa Joe mentions that Triple H is the guy that gave him the chance when nobody else would. Uh-huh. Kevin Owens, I could see that fitting very very well. And maybe maybe this Kevin Owens Chris Jericho thing, like he does this begrudgingly, like he didn't really want to do this to Chris Jericho, but did it anyway. How do you think that plays out? Uh, I mean, I guess if 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 it did turn out that he jumped Jericho because of that talk with Triple H, I guess I would ask, how the hell did you get that list done so fast? Uh, but uh, it makes sense. I mean, I kind of question if maybe Hunter, in terms of storyline, was telling him something about Goldberg about, you know, we'll get you out of the match with Goldberg or, or something. Because the commentators uh, kept on questioning, why is, he, why is he turning on Jericho? Why is he turning on Jericho? 
And I thought, well, are you guys all idiots? Because to me, it was pretty clear. Jericho was the one that gave Goldberg the match with Owens at Fastlane. And so yes. you would think Owens would be pissed off about that. So maybe Hunter is going to leverage Goldberg somehow. Um, but it sure looked like there was a correlation. Definitely. WWE's been pretty good at doing cliffhangers and, and doing little nuances over the past couple of weeks. They've been very, very good at it. And that ain't something I'm used to in WWE. Like they're, the last couple of weeks, they've had some advanced storytelling that they just haven't done in recent years. Like I don't know if they thought that their audience was too stupid to pick up on it, but I love it. It makes me feel better about what I'm watching, what I'm covering, when I feel challenged. When you put that question in my head, what's going to happen next? Where is this going? Uh, what's, why is he saying this? Why is he doing this? And they pay it off. There was a, a video I posted from – or not posted. I sent to Alex from September of, Bra- of Randy Orton talking about Bray Wyatt. And he talks about how a snake a lot of times will wait – bide his time, and then when it's right, he'll strike his prey and says that he's going to do that to uh, Bray Wyatt. And I was like, man, that's some good stuff. That'd be great if they brought that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, that leads into my next topic. Last night on SmackDown, Bray, uh, Randy Orton refuses to face Bray Wyatt for the championship. Now, ideally, if I'm – Daniel Bryan, I say, well, that's bad news because in, traditionally you've been able to challenge for the Raw or SmackDown championship. I would have loved it if he just challenged for the Raw one personally. But on Talking Smack, which is a fantastic show, uh, Daniel Bryan announces a battle royal for next week to determine the number one contender. How do you think this plays out? Uh, and what do you think of the move? I, I think that Orton is – is Orton in the battle royal? It would be dumb to include him, I think. Yeah, it, it would. would. be stupid. But they haven't announced who's in it yet, right? No, nah, they, they announced AJ Styles is in it. Uh, it. Sorry, my Skype is going off, so I've got to turn it off. Uh, I, uh, I think Orton's playing head games, I think. And, uh, I mean, after, after Bray won uh, at Elimination Chamber, Orton came out, you know, had his little thing with the little hoodie, t- took the little hoodie down. I think he's playing head games. I think uh, I think that it looks to me like they're going to go babyface with Orton again. Although the fans, I think, want to go with Bray. What do you think about that? Do you think Bray could actually have a shot as a as a legitimate babyface? I do, especially if he goes back to the whole world in his hands thing that they, they right. cut off. And like I said, when when they when they encourage people to do the the phone lights and the fireflies thing, it took away from the clapping. People can't clap when they got a phone in their hand, right? <laughs> and that takes a little audience participation out of it. But I think if you encourage that audience participation, because, I mean, those were very baby-faced things that he was doing. Right. Um, I could even see Orton run out and whoever the last guy is in the, in the bottom row toss him out or something. But I don't think they're changing direction on that. I think it's head games. I actually, Do you think they're adding somebody to the match? No. Uh, not unless they're going to put Luke Harper in. Uh, nobody else would make sense. I mean, who else aside from Luke Harper would make any sense? I actually really like the idea. I think you and I spoke about it of having Harper and Rowan go for the tag titles. I would love that. And reestablishing the Wyatt family. I mean, there's money in the Wyatt family if WWE would get their heads out of their asses. And the Wyatt family wins the the tag team titles and Bray Wyatt leaves WrestleMania, the the world champion, and you have the Wyatt family there. Plus, I think Jason Jordan and Chad Gable can have a phenomenal match with Eric Rowan and, and Luke Harper. 
and here's the thing. I love Luke Harper in the ring. I think adding Luke Harper hurts that match. I, I don't not not an in ring quality. I think yeah. it'd make it a much better in ring match. But in the perception of your casual fans that are like, this guy gets beat every week. Yeah, I agree. I mean, Harper is a great worker. He's under he's very underrated. Off. But yeah, his presence uh, does not help that match at all. It's got to be one on one. So I, I think it's going to stay one on one. I don't think that's going to change. Uh, Do you ever watch Talking Smack? On occasion, on occasion, I, uh, you know, I, I have a, uh, a family, as you know, that likes my attention. But uh, whenever I get the chance, I check it out. Fortunately, I keep weird hours. I, it's must watch for me. I think if that show were an hour, I'd love it. That show, man, Daniel Bryan's worth whatever they're paying him for that alone because he doesn't care about anything. <laughs> I noticed they little- talk relationships a lot on that show. Like, like Bryan will say yeah. straight up that Renee's dating uh, Ambrose. So they're yeah. very open about that stuff. There was a funny spot last night where Alexa Bliss did a bot. She was making excuses for losing her match against Naomi. And she's like, I was tired. I was watching TV and the Patriots lost. And this was a week <laughs> after the Super Bowl. And the Patriots won. And Daniel Bryan really let her have it. Oh, yeah. He was like, the Patriots won. You should be happy. And he was like, congratulations. <laughs> and he said, and Renee is like, stop, Daniel. And he's like, are you kidding? If for two weeks I thought the Seahawks lost and then I found out they did, I'd be doing backflips on this table whether I was cleared or not. <laughs> and then Apollo Crews showed the, the, the most personality he's ever had and then showed absolutely none afterwards. Uh, Daniel Bryan introduced him on the show and said, hey, Apollo, how you doing? He's like, I'm doing great. Did you hear about the Patriots? <laughs> And then that was it. Do you still think Brian's going to wrestle someday? You still think so? Yeah, I think he'll do one more match somehow. Whether it's in the WWE as like a 10-second squash or Mm. if he goes to like New Japan and wrestles, I think he has at least one more match. Really? Yeah. You think Bree's going to let that happen? Yeah, I do. Um, Do you remember when like after that insane Miz promo where he says, go back to wrestling in bingo halls? Yeah. Yeah. And Daniel Bryan addressed it the next week. He said, well, The Miz had every reason to say that, but if I'm wrestling, it's not going to be a bingo hall. It'll be more like the Tokyo Dome. Right, right, yeah. And obviously people are like, oh, New Japan wouldn't do that. I was like, (laughs) pardon my French, but are you fucking kidding me? There's guys go out there and headbutt each other full bore. Yeah. Like you watch a never open weight championship match and tell me there aren't at least three people on that roster with brain lesions. Oh, yeah. there are. Yeah. I guarantee you they are. Half that roster probably wouldn't be working if they had WWE's medical protocol. Yeah, very possible. I, uh, I want to change topics for a second because I forgot to add something to my list. Uh-oh. I want to get your thoughts on Artgate 2017. Artgate 2017. You're not familiar with that? Oh, of course. Of course. Okay. Tell, so- tell the people about that in case they, they're not familiar. So Chris Jericho unveiled the creation of Kevin on this week's uh, Festival of Friendship. And two weeks ago, our own Anna Bauert, who has a weekly segment called Most Ridiculous with Anna Bauert. Subscribe to our YouTube. Check it out. Also, go under Features, and you'll see Anna's name on Fightful.com. And you'll you'll see all of her past episodes of Most Ridiculous. It's a fantastic segment. She had the creation of Ellsworth – a week and a half ago. Now, I have been told 
explicitly by people in WWE that there are multiple employees and workers that watch our pro- obviously not all of our programming, but they read the site, they watch some of the shows. They they actually there are a couple that are that are fans of uh, Anna's show. What'd you think about that? Um, I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill here. So back in the day, I don't know if I've ever told you this that I back in the day was talking to WWE about a writing job. Did I ever, did I ever tell you about that? A, a little bit vaguely. So it was back in 2002, I believe, and I was talking to Stephanie McMahon's assistant because at the time she was heading up creative. Uh, about a job, but as part of that, I had, I had to sign a, a big waiver, and there was specific things that you had to have in scripts that you had to send to them. Uh, and I don't know if you can remember these storylines because it's been a long time, but they they had a storyline on Raw where the NWO had come back, and Booker T at that time was on the rise in WWE, and they did a storyline where Booker T was introduced as the newest member of the NWO, but Booker T didn't know. Uh, so the way they did a Booker T was puzzled about the whole thing. That was one of the things I had written about in one of my scripts. Uh, and it, probably a month after I submitted it, it happened on Raw. And uh, I, because, you know, I, I, uh, I sometimes uh, say without thinking, I more or less told her assistant that they ripped the idea. Um, oh I never got a job offer with WWE. But uh, they, because of, you know, in that situation, making you sign a waiver, you have no rights to it anyway. I think the internet, the internet for WWE, even though they hate the fact that spoilers get out, uh, at the same time, the internet has been a blessing for WWE because I think that they definitely lift ideas. I mean, we saw the the Bray Wyatt thing that was very similar to the Hardys, uh, the Hardys deal. Um, I think they lift a lot of ideas from other companies and from the internet. And I, when it comes to that Jericho picture, that Jericho painting, there are literally a thousand different things that they could have put on that canvas to show the friendship between Jericho and Kevin Owens. There's literally a thousand different photos they could have used. And so to use that one to me seems like it's more than coincidence, but all we can say is allegedly. So I have a similar story. I was at an indie show in 2009, I think it was. And um, this is right before I, I went back to college and I was really busy with college. And there was a guy there who was appearing on the indie show who worked backstage with TNA and creative, I'm not going to name him or anything, but I pitched a little storyline to him because I had an MMA connection, and the MMA and the storyline was MMA related. I won't talk about the storyline in general, but my catch wrestling coach is like, "Have you like maybe two months after that?" And he was there with me. He goes, "Have you watched TNA lately?" I was like, "No, I've got like four episodes on my DVR. I'll catch up on it." He was like, "They took your storyline that you pitched," uh-huh. and I was like, "No, they didn't. No, they didn't." I was like, You're, "You just think that," and I went back. And it was week by week what I had laid out. Like, and I was like, that's, well, hey, mm. it's more than what I was going to do with it. So, I mean, the only thing I said to Anna that night, because I know that Anna, I think, was a little bit rattled by that. And, and the only thing I said to her that night, I, I hit her up on Twitter and I said, take it as a form of flattery. That's how I would look at it. Yeah. So, because, hey, I know that she does eventually want to work for WWE. I mean, that's, that's not exactly a secret or anything. If they did, do that, then that that can only be good for her WWE hopes, I would imagine. I mean, it means they're aware of who she is, right? Sure. Or, I mean, or I at least a writer is. I mean, for all we know, it was some, you know, fifth string writer yeah. on the Raw team, but somebody knows who she is. Somebody does. I know who she is because she puts out great content for us every week. You all need to be checking out Most Ridiculous with Anna Bauer. 
Uh, that's just one day, like I said, one day we're going to wake up that's going to have like 100,000 views and it's going to be explosive. Jimmy, what else What else is crawling up your butt this week? Anything else good <laughs> on your list? Uh, I think that's all I got this week. I, uh, I do want to touch upon this. We've talked about this before. Uh, TJ Perkins promo. Oh, man. So it's getting a lot of heat. And once again, I want to, I want to talk about this. Um, WWE, when you look at where they're at in terms of talent and when you look at where they're at in terms of their struggles, you can look back 10 years ago to when they started scripting everything word for word. Um, and you can kind of see the ripple effect. You can see that they're, they are now at where they're at because of what happened at that time. I guess my question is, and, and I just want your opinion on this. I can understand that a TJ Perkins isn't going to tell the office I'm not doing that promo because TJ, TJ Perkins is going to be out the door quick if he says that. Why doesn't Roman Reigns, who clearly has, yeah. who clearly has stroke, unless he's completely ignorant and, and, and just is not a creative guy and, and is completely unaware, why doesn't he say, I am not saying suffering succotash. I'm not saying it. Yeah, he's got, he's got the stroke. They're going to listen to him. Why is he going out? and peddling those stupid promos word for word. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't understand. I mean, I, I understand maybe that they were concerned about that people might drop uh, something offensive or they might drop coarse language. Um, but they could at least run what they're going to say by the office before they do it. But I, I don't understand why they're not letting guys create their own personalities. They are essentially cutting promos using the words and the mentality of the writer and not themselves. And it, it's, it's really hurt them. It has. It's completely true. It makes it not organic. You see the way they talk on Talking Smack, then you see the way that they talk right. on other shows, and it's – So let me ask you, so, so again, so a guy like Roman Reigns who clearly has stroke, why do you think he cuts those promos? Oh, God, because they're giving him a big push, and he thinks that's what – he thinks it's the right thing to do. Do you think he doesn't know any better? Yeah, I, I don't know because he cut some real good promos in FCW. There are some promo videos of him like like where an interviewer will say, Roman, you're late for our uh, interview. And he said, well, you, you, you're running behind. You got to make a trip to the dollar store or something. Like he cuts these really good like natural promos. And then you see this. And – Hey, honestly, like when, when they would chant uh, Cena sucks when he was in the ring, one time he cut him off and he said, when Roman Reigns is in the ring, you're damn right Cena sucks. Right. To him that they don't right. unleash the right way. They I think don't get that, it. They think that him making little jokes is the best thing to do. It doesn't work for everybody. It works for some people, not everybody. But they're embarrassing jokes that people roll their eyes at, like Big Cass and Enzo. The, the mm-hmm. stuff that they, they joke about, like Wiley Coyote and the Roadrunner, like stuff like that, that, that isn't, has been relevant in 20 years. Yeah. And it, it doesn't make sense. Even, I even noticed, I don't know if you caught on Rob Bailey's backstage interview with uh, that Charlie girl before yes. her match. Charlie Caruso. Even her promo, I hated it because she did one of these promos. Have you ever noticed sometimes that the younger talent, they'll do these promos where they pause mid-sentence, kind of like Sean Ross Sapp on the podcast. <laughs> They will pause mid-sentence, and people don't talk like that. Like, people just don't talk like that. And I, I do. Okay, fine. Maybe you do. Yeah. But I've always wondered, why do they do that? So why does Bailey, after three words, feel the need to pause? They're coached, they're coached that way. Another thing that they do, they'll say, you see. People don't – I'm not sitting around and explaining something to my wife like, 
You see, tumbleweed is the best <laughs> option for dinner tonight. That doesn't that doesn't happen. I've never said it. My, I've never said my wife. Let me tell you something. I prefer skim milk. Yes, that, exactly. Uh, say, say that uh, my wife comes upstairs later and she goes, "Do you want to eat Chinese food?" And I'll go, "Chinese." <laughs> Let me tell you why I don't want to eat Chinese. <laughs> also, another one that they were taught in OVW for. I think they they may still be taught. I don't know, but as of a few years ago, they are. My name is mm. I don't give a fuck what your name is. And they they did that for every ECW promo when they kicked it off because a lot of those guys were OVW products. So you would always hear, My name is CM Punk. My what about, name uh, is Paul Heyman. Thorne. Paul Heyman made that his gimmick now. now. Paul Heyman may have been the person that that led that, mm. that that started that, but it's his now. And you have a lot of people that will still do that in their promos, like their indie promos. Enzo Amore, every yeah. week. Well, yeah, but I mean, they'll do it in a very calm manner. Enzo has almost made it his own, too. Oh, yeah. Because he's, he's added something to it. But you'll see people like like in a backstage locker room where they're filming it with their cell phone and stuff. And it's, <clears throat> my name is blah, blah, blah. And they'll rip off some indie gimmick. Wasn't that also, Dolph Ziggler's gimmick when he came out? When he first came out, that was his gimmick. Kind of. He said, hi, I'm Dolph Ziggler. But, I mean, this is verbatim, my name is, in, right. the, in like a pre-cut promo. Yeah. Somebody sent me this WWE book of rules from Charles Robinson and said, stealing more fightful ideas. There's no way that that was a stolen idea because they could not have written a 200-something page book from the time that me and Shane Helms did a podcast about rules. But that book is out in, in a week or two, and I'm going to buy the hell out of it if it's an actual book of WWE rules. Hmm. I would love that. I might review it on the on, on the show. Also, somebody says, I think it's Brandon Hughes says, you need to get a cardboard cut out of Ellsworth behind Jimmy so you can have the two biggest hogs in wrestling. <laughs> How about that? Should Brilliant. I that? Should I do that one? Oh, my God. It makes too much sense. And put that title over around the waist of, of Ellsworth. I think what I should do, based on your love of Ellsworth's hog, is I should put Virgil on the other side so he's facing inward. I don't put, love no, the I'm hog. Not, I'm not I'm done. I'm not done. Amazed. I'm interested. Okay, I'm still talking. So you could put Virgil on the other side facing in, Ellsworth on the other side facing in, you in the middle looking straight ahead with a big smile on your face. That is what I need to do. It's ratings. <laughs> that is ratings. Guys, tomorrow I am here with Matt Riddle. We got a lot to talk about with Matt Riddle. Register for early access. So the first thing is Friday, Matt is – he might beat up Jason Kincaid to the point where he can't write for us, which would suck because Jason Kincaid's put out some of the best wrestling writing, in my opinion, that I've ever seen. Uh, Go over to uh, Jason Kincaid's – actually, we need to add him to the feature section and the pro series section, but – his five-piece uh, series on the ROH tryouts, unbelievable. And he's got another series coming up this weekend about uh, how he ended up in Evolve. And, man, it's some great stuff that you don't hear that insight. You don't read that insight anywhere else. Also, I want to talk to you about Matt Riddle for a second. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the spot, and I'm going to ask you for your honest opinion. Yes. I heard about what Matt said about Triple H. What was, what was the verbatim quote that he said about Triple H? He said, Triple H can't keep my name out of his fucking mouth. Let me ask you an honest question. 
Do you mm-hmm. think that that kind of stuff is helping his cause? Yes, I do. You think that's helping his cause? Yes, I do. Really? Mm-hmm. You think that Hunter's going to hear about that and be like, "I definitely got to sign I this." I don't kid. think. I don't think Hunter will. I think if Vince hears that, I think Vince would love that. I think that's the type of thing that Vince McMahon would love. But isn't isn't Hunter kind of the recruiter? Grab him by the balls. <laughs> One of those. Isn't Hunter the recruiter now? Vince is kind of you know he is, but it's 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 been hard to ignore Matt Riddle. It's getting harder to ignore Matt Riddle. Yeah. I think if I was Matt, I, I I would keep doing what I'm doing in the ring because he's getting a lot of attention, but he might want to chill. I mean, because again, you know how WWE is about this kind of stuff. You might want to chill on that a little did bit. You, did you see the promo though? Did you see that promo? Did not. Oh man, it is so good. It's good, yeah. Like he has the upside, I think, the potential. Had they made RVD like not their <laughs> top heel, I, it's hard for me to believe he'll be the the main, main, main guy they put all their eggs in. But he has that arrogant, cocky, almost to a level of, of obnoxious confidence. Mm. And they, like, you know, a lot of times they'll talk really, really slowly. But then, what was that? That was my phone. I hung, Jimmy. I hung it, up, hung it up as quickly as I could. You just called me down for interrupting you. <laughs> and then your phone rang with some Wheel of Fortune ringtone. Uh, first off, that is the Benny Hill theme song. First oh, of all, even better. Second of all, you know I am the CEO of a company. So every, allegedly, every allegedly. So every now and then, I do get phone calls, Sean. Allegedly, <laughs> my investigative skills have done have uncovered no proof of this. That's uh, true. That's true. I just, I I just, no I just bring these randoms in. I found Nigel walking around in the hallway. Just brought him in. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. Uh, but yeah, I think Matt Riddle has a unique promo delivery, which if they have him do scripted promos, man, that's going to be bad. I agree. But also something I'm going to talk to Matt Riddle about. Uh, he is booked for a match WrestleMania weekend, Jimmy, with Dan Severn. I heard about that. I heard about that. That's a wrestling match? That is a wrestling match. And Severn is still – he's still taking wrestling bookings? Oh, yeah. Uh, let me tell you something. <laughs> Dan Severn sends out the best <laughs> press releases ever. <laughs> like, I think he writes them himself, and they are awesome. Yeah. They're great. I want to tell you about a quick Dan Severn story. So you know that Dan Severn is a you know relatively large human being. Oh, of course. And I once met Dan Severn at an independent show at a school – because the, the show was in the gym of the school. And for the locker room, they had to use kind of like a play area for the kids. That was like the locker room. And if you can envision a small, like almost grade school level, like a second or third grader chair, that's what, was, that's what Dan Severn was sitting in waiting for the time <laughs> for his match to come up. If you can envision that. And I actually had a full-on conversation with him while he was sitting in a chair that was clearly, you know, not meant – for Dan Severn. Yeah. Also, uh, Friday, register for free early access, or register for free to get early access. Me and Shane Helms break down the process of running a show. A lot of you don't realize Shane Helms runs Omega. He's the promoter and booker of Omega Wrestling, which does thousands of people when he runs shows. We talk about how far out he he books venues, the process of booking a venue, some of the complications in that, uh, paying talents, talents offering themselves up for free, 
<clears throat> talents that want to go over, don't want to go over, some of the obstacles that you have to battle, uh, artwork, uh, marketing, advertising. There's a lot of stuff that goes into running a show. That's one of the great things about having Shane Helms. He can, he can bring you things from all kinds of different aspects. Also, send in topics for us to talk about, and we will get to it. We've got a, a couple of really great features coming up. Jimmy, anything you want to tell these people before we go besides – you know, they should be visiting uh, Fightful.com. They should be buying our shirts, doing the cool thing. Like we talked about last week, the, the registration form is short. And if you don't fill it out, you're a lazy fuck. We talked about that. Uh, I guess the only other thing I would say is, again, even though this is the Fightful Wrestling Podcast and, and a lot of people don't like MMA, Elias Theodoro was fighting on Sunday. Uh, yeah. And he is a part of the Fightful family. And he also is a very personable, well-spoken, funny kind of guy. And I really can't wait to see his post-fight interview if he wins. Hell, even if he loses. But if he wins, I cannot wait for his post-fight interview because I think he's going to talk a lot of shit. I think he understands what you got to do to to succeed and make money. And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So if, uh, check that out on Sunday night. That should be fun. Also, Frank Trigg. Yes, Frank Trigg. He is a UFC Hall of Famer. And uh, he did a, I guess you could call it a test podcast. He, he filled in one week for us. And uh, he's a pretty well-known name, very well-spoken guy. He actually was in TNA uh, a yes, while back, and he did a program with AJ Styles. You can go on YouTube and look that up. And uh, I was able to cut a deal with him. I talked to him yesterday, and I was able to cut a deal with him. So he's going to be with us every Thursday. So he's, I think he's got a lot of good stuff to say, not just about MMA, but about pro wrestling, because he's a personality that understands both of those worlds. Also, he gives us another great perspective because he's a licensed official. He right. is a referee now as well, That's in right. addition to a Hall of Fame fighter. That's pretty awesome. Uh, Elias Theodoro, speaking of that fight, we will be doing our weekend MMA show after the fight Sunday. Normally, we would do one after the Fedor fight Saturday. We're going to hold off. I'll be in Indianapolis Saturday night. So Sunday night, we're going to be talking Fedor versus Mitrione. We're going to be talking about Elias Theodoro fighting, Derek Lewis, Travis Brown, we got lots of cool stuff coming this weekend on the MMA side of things. Jimmy. Jimmy. I was oh, I thought that was I thought you were doing the dramatic pause again Jimmy, that you always I am. do. I am. That's what you do. I told you I was trying to be more You know what? I'm a little under the weather this week. I know that Suspense. you uh, I know you say you don't want to have kids. If you ever Never. if you ever do decide to have a kid, I have to warn you. Kids are bacteria-filled, filthy creatures. And uh, my daughter has gotten me sick more in the last six months than I was probably in the, in the previous five years. So be prepared for that. I'm a little under the weather, but just because I love you so much, Sean, I made sure I didn't miss this. Hey, fortunately for you, I never get sick. I got sick one time in like the last year and a half, two years maybe, and that was because of San Antonio and flying. Guys, check us out, Fightful.com. Follow me at Sean Rossap. Till next time, we're out. Save big money on plant protection supplies. Now at Menards. Defend your garden with Triazicide Insect Killer. Its fast-acting formula protects lawns, vegetables, and many other plants. It kills more than 260 insects by contact, above and below ground. Choose from ready-to-spray, concentrate, or granular. Save big money on Triazicide Insect Killer at Menards. And check out our weekly flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money.